Hello and welcome to another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. So, Ukrainians were amongst the first post-war migrant groups from Europe to come in largest numbers to Tasmania. Displaced people from a region devastated by war and then Soviet communist repression. In fact, the Ukrainian Association of Tasmania last year celebrated 70 years of settlement in Tasmania. But though there are many Tasmanians with Ukrainian heritage, the number of Ukrainian migrants has actually dwindled quite significantly in recent decades. However, in this episode, I'm happy to be talking to Dadia, who's a new Ukrainian immigrant from the generation that's grown up in a period when Ukraine has become a fully independent nation and faced struggles and challenges of a different kind. So I'm talking with Dadia about her experiences of both the dark mood of the 90s in the country and then the optimism of the first decade of the 2000s and her interesting and very varied work experience which actually also includes I believe some tour guiding at Chernobyl so stay tuned for this and more where did where did you grow up in the Ukraine in, in the capital, in Kiev. I, in Kiev, I was okay. born there. I My very early childhood years, I spent in another town, um, 200 kilometers from Kiev, which was a lovely town. And uh, yeah, I still go there. It's my mom's hometown. I mm-hmm. used to come back there sometimes, even, even like in the recent years. But yeah, from the age of five and through all my school years, I was in Kiev. And I was very fortunate when I was about grade six, I, like my parents enrolled me into this school that was focused on languages. Uh, we learned English, French, and German there. French and German, <laughs> I don't speak so well <laughs> right now, but English, we really had many hours of English and that was uh, good. That was the best thing I could do as a teenager. <laughs> Yeah. Learn English. And then, uh, so after school, I entered the Agricultural University in, in Kiev, which was a strange choice of my parents. I did not want to go there. Okay. <laughs> but they were landscape architects and they wanted me to be a landscape architect, obviously. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but I did not enjoy anything about that place. Um, but luckily, there was a chance to go to Japan for four years to do the full bachelor in Japan. And I just like, and the only thing you needed to do is to pass an interview in English, which was not a hard job mm-hmm. for me even back then. And I just like jump into that opportunity. And I went to Japan for four years and I absolutely loved it. So that was my first experience of living abroad in a very mm. different cultural yeah, environment. So yeah, that's why here was not that hard. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. Uh, their own challenge, its own challenges, but yeah. I mean, now that I think about it, I had such a beautiful life there, such a like wonderful multicultural community. Okay. Um, I was a kid and I was really missing my family, so there were some challenging moments and like culturally challenging. But in general, I think it was a beautiful experience. But mm. I think if I'd stayed there and started like professional life, especially in Japanese company, that would have been a totally different experience. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But I've known people who were in a very, very hard depression just because of living there. So, or who ended up in depression after coming back. But for me, it was more pleasant experience than unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, it's often about the context that you yeah. find yourself in as well as the, the country uh, as well. But it's, it's just interesting to me having myself li- lived <laughs> and worked in both Japan and Russia, yeah. which I'm assuming is a bit, at least a bit similar to the Ukraine. But, but <laughs> yeah, it just, uh, it's hard for me to imagine. The cultures are so different mm-hmm. that it's just interesting to know what the, um, the culture shock would have been like. Um, 
yeah, there was a culture shock. There was a language shock because uh, I was told that uh, my classes would be in English to start with, and then I will be uh, intensively learning Japanese, which was only partially true because I was intensively learning Japanese and some of my classes were in English, but I did have to go to some lectures with all the Japanese students, which was like, I don't understand anything, <laughs> at least the first half year. So, uh, yeah, and in general, all the, the way you communicate to people, you know, the, all this mm. level of politeness and, uh, and the way many Japanese people see foreigners, like both, I don't know about now, it's been quite a while since I've been there last time, but yeah, yeah it's just like both like very respectful and then a bit fearful and yeah. then like a bit like not trying not to even come close. And yeah. uh, in my first couple of years, I didn't even have any Japanese friends. I was like, I have so many friends. I did. And it's so hard to make friends with Japanese people. And then I just like wouldn't do it. So, um, yeah, later on I met, I met wonderful people there, although friends who I am still in touch with from that time of my life are either Ukrainians who I met there or people from other countries who I met there, yeah. not really the Japanese. Yeah, that was one of the challenges for me here even because, you know, in Japan yep. the challenges are obvious. In Japan yep. the like, cultural difference is obvious. Here. As someone from Europe, you don't look or or feel yourself as like an obvious foreigner, but there are some things, for instance, what you're saying. At some point at my previous job, I've been like quietly told you, you know, the way you speak on the radio, the way you approach people sometimes is quite abrupt, is quite rude. I'm like, no, I'm not rude. I was not intended to anyway, but that's just the way, yeah, in Ukraine, people are very direct. <laughs> Yeah, and not just Ukraine. I think it's many yeah. of the just Eastern, just Euro area. Eastern Europe, Central Europe, even you know Germany. Well, we, as we've started talking about cultural differences, might as well I thought ask you a bit more about that, as well as the the style of communication. What what are some of the other cultural differences that you may have noticed between Ukraine and Australia? So, uh, I was uh, telling the other day to my husband that in Ukraine, if you'd call a person that you don't know and ask how are you like the first question how are you that person might as well hang up on you because <laughs> you show like disrespect to this person's right. time uh yes yeah, so <laughs> you don't you, you of course if you call your friend you say like oh how are you and you start talking about it but if you call a person you don't know you just say hello my name is and you go straight to the point <laughs> yeah <laughs> the more the better yeah those little things but on the other hand when you meet a friend or even an acquaintance just like walk around town and you meet someone and you're like how are you and here people would say like oh i'm great i'm well i'm, I'm like oh well and that's good bye and in ukraine you might start telling your life story like yep. how i expect well now it's changing because people are getting more like cosmopolitan and they see how it's being done but i remember in my childhood we would walk with my grandmother she would meet her friend and it was a challenging time the 90s post-soviet countries and it was like how are you oh my god everything hurts and uh, i haven't uh, got paid for for two months already and then my son is not talking to me and it's like whole life story that's the answer yep. to the question how are you not well 
<laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah here it's not really a serious question. No. It's more of a greeting. Yeah, exactly. In, uh, in Ukraine, it can be like a real question that you expect to have a real answer to, and it can be negative. <laughs> you yeah. know, it doesn't have to. I mean, again, young people start treating it as greeting, as like English more and more. But culturally, it's a real question that you can give an honest answer to. <laughs> Yeah. So if you're not well, you can just as well say it. Yeah, so uh, things like that. And uh, also about food, this is quite funny. So you probably know in, in Russia, I'm, I'm sure it's the same. People are very hospitable. So especially against smaller towns or older generation, if you come to visit someone, especially if it's been previously arranged, like, oh, like, come to visit me or like, come to have a cup of coffee. There wouldn't be just a cup of coffee. <laughs> there would be a full meal and like sometimes too much of it and especially if so, if it's uh, an occasion like a birthday or a new year's eve or some other thing that would be just like ridiculous amount of food in the house mm-hmm. like my friends so like people from big cities who are younger kind of getting less and less but i mean this tradition is still in place but people cook less and less they might order some food they might like prearrange because they're busy but this tradition is still in place like your your house needs to have food if you're inviting someone here it is so relaxed like you mm. don't you we might like my husband and I sometimes we go to Launceston to visit his friends or they come over here and first times I was quite anxious I mean like oh they're coming for your birthday what are we cooking it's like we're going out for dinner. I'm like, yeah, but what are we cooking? So, ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, those things are quite. <laughs> I, after that, I relaxed completely, and I just <laughs> taken it as a blessing that I don't need to cook for <laughs> more people than I am uh, used to. So, yeah, lots of small things. It's actually not nothing so tremendous and big. It's just lots of small things. But sometimes uh, you those small things sort of add up, and you really miss them when you're yeah away from yourself because when you're uh, away you I think you feel your identity a bit yeah, more yeah that is true it was so true for me in Japan here I think here because I had such a smooth transition like I would spend some time here and then I go back to Ukraine and I would like after being here I would see very clearly everything that I don't like about Ukraine <laughs> and then I would come here again but I, I would know that I am coming back home soon and so yeah so it was a very smooth transition so it was not uh, yeah I do I do miss especially now that I know that I'm not going to Ukraine in the next few years at least so <laughs> mm. yeah I do think like oh this is uh, the food that I would really really love now but yeah it's kind of complicated to get it here or this is a kind of tradition that I really really like but here people don't do this and it's kind of boring if you do it by yourself <laughs> it's yeah. a tradition is a collective thing you know <laughs> So, yeah, little things, it, it does happen, yeah. I think Australia doesn't have as many really fixed tra- traditions mm-hmm. as Europe or Asia or other places. It's not necessarily a good thing, though. <laughs> I mean, people can be sometimes just like forcing you to eat Ukraine, forcing you to drink <laughs> even worse. Yeah, so it's not only, And it's always very stressful for the host person, which is quite often a woman. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, I wouldn't say that is a 100% great tradition. It's just a thing that I'm used to. What are the Ukrainian traditions that you've missed here a little bit? I think it's like mostly around the uh, Christmas, New Year holidays. I mean, I've been here already for 
four, I think, <laughs> Christmases. That's okay. quite a lot. Uh, yeah. And the first time I came here, I absolutely loved it. I loved being able to be <laughs> with my my partner and I, I met his family the first time and I actually love this concept of having summer in mm -hmm. Christmas, my birthday is on Boxing Day. So yeah, I, I loved it. But then the last year especially, like this year, this last holidays, I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> it's already my fourth. So it's like kind of lost a bit of that ex first excitement. Mm. Uh, and then I don't feel like cooking. Or actually, when it was a new year, when we were, when it was 2019 to 2020, my brother-in-law and my best friend, uh, they came to visit us here in Hobart. So we actually cooked lots of Ukrainian food, but then we cooked too much as for four people. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, no, I'm not cooking this year at all. <laughs> it's kind of a waste to cook for uh, two people. Uh, yeah, and just like, I kind of feel like, okay, I, now I would use some snow maybe and uh, some of that uh, spirit that we have. But I know that, of course, this year with COVID, that would have been so much different and people wouldn't do the same stuff that they normally do. Yeah, but I think a bit of that because it's uh, a lot of different festive spirit. Here, people have festive spirit as mm. well. It's just different. time you were growing up there, mm -hmm. what kind of environment was it? What would, how would you have described it? Uh, in my early childhood, like before the year 2000, I would say, um, not so great. I mean, it's always been a beautiful city, gorgeous mm. city. But just like, I remember the area where we lived, it was quite far from the center. And uh, people, so you know, the economical situation in the 90s was not great and there were lots of lost people so there were lots of people i mean the level of uh, criminal things going on the level of people using drugs in public i mean i made it i make it sound maybe worse than it was but it was a bit darker in yeah. the 90s when i was growing up made much darker than it is yeah. now. Well, I, I actually wrote something down about that. Yeah. I, I read, a, read a fact that um, between 1991 and 1999, which is sort of the period when Ukraine yeah. became independent, yeah. uh, it lost 60% of its GDP in that period. Yeah, so that was very daunting. Like, I mean, now, Kiev, uh, like a few years ago when I was an adult in, in the city and I was like doing jobs, it's safe i mean it might not be as safe as tokyo for instance but it's a quite safe place and even my tourists even from places like england told me oh i am not sure i would be just walking like that at night in all areas of london in like quite a, and kiev is not i mean you need to be cautious <laughs> again it's not japan so you need to be like sensibly cautious but yeah. uh, it's a quite a safe place now. While back in the 90s, lots of people were lost and uh, they were economically had, they had challenging times, but also mentally they were confused and mm -hmm. were not sure what to believe in. That's why lots of, I was telling my husband the other day, lots of um, financial scams were flourishing in the 90s. Lots of mm -hmm. uh, uh, different cults were also like was so easy to get people into different like weird religious communities because <laughs> okay. people were quite lost in um, what they believed throughout their lives all collapsed and then yeah. they lost all their savings all their the only thing that people did not lose when Soviet Union collapsed was their properties luckily mm -hmm. it was like quite easy to pr make 
privatized what they said, uh, make an legal ownership of your property. But again, there were some scams relating to that as well. But in general, for most of the people, that was okay. But they lost all their savings. And then people who retired at that time get like very little to non-retirement pension, even though in Soviet Union, the retirement pension was quite well, like, and salaries too. In Soviet Union, people just couldn't buy anything, but they were earning more money than they need. That's why economically yep. it was not so, a sufficient was, model of, yeah, <laughs> of but existence. It was, but it was, it was, yeah, insufficient in a lot of ways, but there was an order, I guess. There was, yeah, the people didn't know any better, so they thought that was an order that is that was destroyed. So lots of people with multiple scientific degrees had to like go and sell some stuff at the market and for many it was psychologically broke them many people just adjusted and that was fine and yeah later on started doing different jobs and yeah it depends dependent on many factors on the age on the type of personality yeah. but yeah for many people it was very hard hard time so yeah that's why the kind of in terms of safety yeah i remember growing up i don't remember it being a very <laughs> bright world to be honest yeah. i mean i had a nice family but <laughs> but uh also i was raised by uh, my mom and my grandma so they were working pretty hard but yeah i don't remember having big troubles in my house in terms yeah. of like we had what we needed but just like around you like the new i mean the news they're always negative you come to learn it but just at that time just like the news and what people were talking around you is just something always very bad happening to somebody or yeah. like also there was like at that time there was a war in uh, chechnya and at mm -hmm. that time people were still clinging to russian to television now of course not anymore yeah. but at that time yes yeah, so there was a war in Chechnya and then it was a war in the Balkans so like so much negativity going on yeah. I guess that's yeah but later on um, yeah in the early in the 2000 then uh, some time I spent in Japan so it was different but then yeah I guess economically till the first crisis in the global crisis in 2008 um, the Ukrainian economy was, was going up from the yeah. year like 2000 to 2008 then it like went to be down with this crisis and it went quite down in 2014 unfortunately oh, yeah. yeah that was when there was the oh, a few things happened yeah yeah lots of things happened in 2014 but i guess it never went i don't think it ever went that far bad that like ever ended up being that bad as bad as it was in the 90s nice, yeah. so yeah oh it's like it's quite hard to tell you know you when you go if you go to kiev and you just like stay downtown and uh, go to restaurants nice restaurants and like see old people people are lookers in ukraine <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah so go and see like very expensive shops around you you wouldn't think that there might be any economic problems in this country but that's not quite true for, for example the town i spent my early years so in in soviet times it was quite flourishing it's actually an old town with long history more than thousand years old but in soviet times it had quite a few factories which kept people busy and uh, it was a good place to be a good place to live but then in the 90s so like some of those factories they like ended up with some owners and i think only one that actually succeeded 
mm. eventually. And the rest were just gone. So like so many people lost their jobs and never got them back. So the town actually never bounced up <laughs> from that. Mm. So now I go there and it's a little bit sad because even when I was a child, it still had like this, like from the time of glories, it's like <laughs> aftermath from that. But now it's getting the people are leaving. And even though in small towns, it's usually about service now, about different beauty places and things like mm -hmm. that. So, it never bounced back to what it used to be. Yeah. So it looks, you can see it in everything, like the roads, the how the buildings look and uh, everything, so. I guess for a lot of kids who grew up in that era of the 90s, mm -hmm. maybe went to high school, was there kind of a feeling that the future was a little bit grim? My high school was not in the 90s. I, I finished high school in 2005, so there was mm -hmm. a, no, we were not. So I guess people who are 10 years older than me, that might have been the case for them. Or even like a little bit older, my parents, 10, 15 years older than me, they could have been more lost because all this collapse happened when they were like teenagers or already aware. For me, I was a kid. I mean, that's just like all I knew. I didn't know any better. Uh, so that was just fine. But uh, when we were in high school, it didn't. Mm -hmm. At that time already, it was growing. The economy was growing. So it didn't. It felt quite opposite. It yeah. felt quite like... Things were on the up. We were... <laughs> yeah, we will conquer the world because we will not have any of the troubles that our parents and grandparents had, which did not quite end up being true. Because then in 10 years, you know, the war happened and then the economy collapsed. And yeah, and then the pandemic happened. So yeah, you never say never. But yeah, at that time, it did not feel like great. I think early to southern was quite optimistic times for Ukraine. Yeah, but I guess there's been a few, quite a few major events. Yeah, since then. Yeah, that yeah. Time. It's hard to say where that'll go, but it, but it seems like the Ukraine is gradually getting getting better. <sighs> so i would always want to hope so but you know i think for for any process it's never linear yeah you get in yeah. better but sometimes you need to fall a bit down in order to then bounce up and get better so that's, that's right. how i feel sometimes about ukraine so where, where actually did you come to tasmania i moved last year in march right before the border closure which was oh, lucky wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah but i had stayed here for in total about another year but i would come and go i would stay for three months six months sometimes and go back so depending on my visa mostly stayed on tourist visas uh and yeah last year was when i settled down here <laughs> yeah so you moved so moved yeah. permanently yeah yeah even if you didn't come permanently it would have been i think so <laughs> yeah <laughs> Was quite lucky though I because it wasn't my intention to move last year, so was quite lucky that I didn't get stuck on the other side of the border. What led you coming to Tasmania? So my husband is Tasmanian. Mm -hmm. He grew up in Launceston. He was born in South Australia, though, but he grew up in Launceston and he's lived in Hobart for about eight years probably now. Uh, we met in Ukraine. Okay. <laughs> this is unusual, yeah. So uh, his younger brother and my best friend are married, and we met at their wedding. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, uh, quite a story. And that was five years ago, almost now. So we had we had few years of distance relationship. And actually, that wasn't an original idea to go to Australia, for me to move to Australia, because it's pretty hard. It's uh, quite costly and quite a lot of papers 
that you need to prepare to apply yeah. for Australian partner visa. So originally we thought that he might move to Europe. Uh, we were looking into that options. But then in 2017, for Christmas 2017, I came here the first time and I loved it. I absolutely loved Tasmania. I thought it's a wonderful place and uh, told that to my husband and just like was a an instant decision that here where we should <laughs> where we should eventually base uh, uh, ourselves but uh, yeah since then it's been some time quite some time together the money together all the papers that we need for uh, the application and then to wait for actual prospective marriage visa is what uh, I came here with yeah so it's been a journey but <laughs> yeah ended well actually and very timely and what were some of your first impressions of Tasmania in particular <gasps> I quite liked it. I really like the what you see, like what you when you go out of your house, what you see. We live uh, in West Moona, that's very hilly, which mm-hmm. is quite a pain sometimes if you need to go up the hill. But when you go out of your house, you see like little hills, Mount Wellington, the hills, the houses. It's a very beautiful view that you don't get to see if you live in the blocks. <laughs> when I lived in like residential areas of Kiev, I just like went out and would see blocks. So that is very beautiful. And also I loved uh, downtown. I, I really loved it the first time I came. Uh, uh, the waterfront, the, the fact that you have ocean and a river and all these beautiful boats, uh, parks. Uh, and then in town, you can see some old buildings. I mean, Kiev has more uh, architectural heritage, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, here is just so pretty. And what what would you say has been so far the most challenging thing to adjust to? Just like something from something big, it was just challenging. It was hard to find a job here because, yep. like I mentioned, because firstly it was the worst year to be looking for a job but also um it's kind of vicious cycle so you don't get to get uh, very simple jobs because they don't really want to lie on your resume but they look at your resume they think you're overqualified for like working as a store or something but then uh, you don't get a like better jobs because you don't have Australian experience and that's yeah. very important. So, you know, if I'd been told, you know, in, in a year you'd be working at a wonderful place and everything will be great, I'd be like, okay, I'll relax now. But <laughs> when you don't know what's going to happen next, when you think that, okay, there's going to be forever like that, it's a bit depressing. Getting to know people as well. Getting yeah. to know people is always a challenge because uh, in Japan, I when I arrived, I got offered many people who were willing to be my friends instantly. Yeah. They were. We were all in the same situation. We were all young. We did the same thing. We were. We could go out. We could do whatever. So I made lots of friends very quickly there. While here, it's harder because I'm older and <laughs> I don't go out that much. And um, most guess. of my husband's friends live in Launceston or in the mainland. Yeah. So it's kind of. Uh, it was a bit hard. Now. Uh, now I do have girlfriends who I hang out with. Some of them I met in MRC as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, have a wife of my husband's colleague who I hang out with. And then uh, the Ukrainian girl I mentioned the other day, she's in Launceston, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Very unfortunately, <laughs> because we really enjoy each other's company. Back to Ukraine. So you sort of met your husband at, at the yeah. wedding and then you sort of continued to stay in touch yeah. for, for a period. What, what were you doing in Ukraine at the time? Oh, well, I've changed quite a few jobs in 
course of my life. But uh, at the time when we met, it was actually quite funny because one of the things my husband did when uh, uh, he came to Ukraine first time is going to Chernobyl with his uh, brother, his father, his friends. And because that's something that he'd wanted to do. I never wanted to do it before that time. I didn't go with Emmy there. I was like, okay, Chernobyl. I mean, I, mean, I've, I was born a couple of years after that happened, so I know a lot about it. And uh, yeah, so after he left, uh, I was um, looking for a more permanent job because I, at that time I was teaching a bit of Japanese, writing a bit of articles, but I was looking for something more stable. And uh, there was a job in the same tour company where he, <laughs> that he used to go to uh, his travel. And I was like, oh, that Sound like he had fun there. So I started working. I worked uh, at that company for about a year. That was mainly in the office. I did make a couple of trips to Chernobyl just to learn about it. But I was mainly in the office booking people into... You cannot believe how popular it is among foreigners. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I mean, now, unfortunately, they're a bit down because of COVID and everything. But especially in 2019, when Chernobyl movie came out, yeah, yeah. it was like, it was a boom for that industry. But even in 2016, when I started working there, it was quite popular. It was mm. quite fun. Yeah, at some point, I felt like I want to get out of the office again and <laughs> out on the field and uh, uh, also because we were planning we were thinking about me going to Australia and it wouldn't be worth it if I went for just two weeks you know the visa and everything so so I started doing freelance tour guiding mm -hmm. uh, in 2017 and I loved it I absolutely loved that job um, in in the city not in Chernobyl in Kiev yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so I did that um, then in winter I came here for three months I mean European winter I came here for three months which was great because there's not much work if you're a tour guide in winter in Kiev mm -hmm. and uh, yeah and then I came back um, to Ukraine, did a bit of tour guiding again, um, and then I got a year visa to Australia. I was very surprised. So uh, also a tourist visa with the necessity to get out of the country every three months, <laughs> but not necessarily to yeah. Ukraine. So I came here in, in August and then I traveled to Indonesia a couple of times. But in total, I stayed for nine months. And uh, yeah, during this time, uh, I kind of like, I couldn't work here. So I just yeah. like did some things here and there online. And then, yeah, with all the travels. So then I came back to Ukraine. We applied for the visa. I uh, had to wait. I came here again. So with all the traveling, I realized I need something Again, online only, but again, more stable. So I started teaching English with a big Russian school. And uh, yeah, I did that actually for two years. I did not expect mm. <laughs> to be there for that long, but because last year was not the best year to find a job here. No. And even though I've had my work permit since March last year, the first job I was able to find here only happened in January. So yeah, yeah so like for two years I was teaching. Uh, which was also, which was nice, but not very well paid, to be fair. No. Okay, so you went to Japan for four yeah. years. What did you do after that? So I always wanted to come back, like all my four years in Japan. I never thought about staying in Japan for longer than these four years, although I had this opportunity to go to master, but I just didn't really like the subject of my studies, which was international agriculture. <laughs> Maybe now I would be smarter and would pay more attention. But <laughs> at that uh, time, I loved uh, learning languages. I loved being in all the different cultures. I love some subjects that were related to business, but mm -hmm. not quite agriculture. And I was like, no. <laughs> so I went back to Ukraine and I 
wanted to go uh, maybe do master in Europe, but the situation in my family just changed very rapidly after I came back. So I lost my mom and my grandma the same year. And yeah, so it was just my stepdad, me and my younger half brother. He was 10 at that time. So I couldn't really go anywhere for a long time. So I stayed in Ukraine and I tried a job in agriculture didn't quite work out. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, maybe now I would have clung to that opportunity and like develop, but then I was like, nah, boring. Um, but uh, before my mom had passed, uh, we did, um, so she was a landscape architect, as I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, she was also a member of all the associations. She was a very active person. And uh, one of the things she did, and I helped her, was doing a magazine on landscape design. I did not continue with that magazine, but I really loved this process of magazine making. So uh, in so like a year after I graduated, I started magazine. <laughs> Mm. Well, first one was about travels. Oh my God, I had like zero experience running a business. And I mean, I made so many mistakes, mm. <laughs> but it was a great experience. And I built a very cool team. At some point I realized that that magazine is not quite right, not quite profitable. And I switched to a more niche magazine about coffee. <laughs> not, okay. not very professional. So it did have some professional aspects, but more like for coffee lovers rather mm -hmm. than coffee makers and I had already a marvelous team and we like took a different approach to marketing we did not like distribute it to all the supermarkets and everything we just like distributed it into coffee shops we worked with like some like small book fairs small bookshops and that worked uh, better that mm -hmm. I can't say that it was like flourishing super successful business but it worked quite all right uh, till up to end of 2014 beginning of 2015 because then there was the economic crisis that happened after all this situation with Crimea and Russia and uh, so our currency rate dropped three times mm. so it was like for example eight grivnas for American dollars to start with and then at some point it was like I think if at some point it was even 40 but mm. it bounced back to 26 I think now it's still like 26 27 so it's three more than three times that went up and which was quite hard for many businesses that depended on some imported goods mm -hmm. for instance like the price of paper <laughs> and uh, the other uh, printing so like everything went so high and I realized that it's impossible to make it well maybe if I had more resources I could keep it but I didn't. It was like barely, yeah. <laughs> barely, yeah, uh, been quite all right before that. And uh, the crisis just like, so I had to stop doing it at that time. But I really loved it. That was, mm -hmm. I think, the most interesting thing for me that I've ever done. <laughs> yeah. So, and coffee was a little bit clinging into agriculture when I started. Yeah. I even I went to Indonesia and uh, went to some plantations with my university mates. Yeah, so I did that. And then in 2015, well, I needed some kind of job. <laughs> I, I yeah, worked in one travel company for a couple of months, but it was, a, it was a terrible company. And then I started doing some freelance. I did some teaching of Japanese, uh, did some writings, uh, kind of tried to use my connection from my previous life to start something new. Yeah. And then that, uh, yeah, Chernobyl tour was, uh, I think, my first stable job after that business endeavor. I've done, I've done lots. <laughs> But what I love about Hobart is that it does have everything. I mean, um, the city of that size in Ukraine would most likely not have that big of a variety of restaurants, like yeah. movies, theaters, and uh, um, yeah, things like that. So 
yeah, that's really good. <laughs> but on the other hand, nature and all things very um, remote can are reachable very easily. So yeah, what's not to love about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I'll just check the question I meant to ask was, um, what have you found that people here uh, know much about the Ukraine? When you say you're from Ukraine, what's their, how do people sort of How people to react? I remember now when I just came to Japan because most people I met were young and they were like, a Ukraine, Shevchenko, which is not, because we also have a poet from the 19th century who is the most yeah, famous, that's but that's not the guy they meant. They meant <laughs> the, the football, football player. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, here now. Um, people do not, like, I think at some point, um, Australia, they don't really ask like oh is it near Russia like people usually know where Ukraine is and yeah. what Ukraine is um, so yeah I think the most intense experience of people asking me where I'm from and reacting was um, this year I worked at a hotel um, for, for a few months and um, yeah some people actually traveled to Ukraine it was mm -hmm. surprising or they traveled somewhere near like they've been to I don't know Czech Republic or Russia or something and they would know they're like oh yeah 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 or yeah just no in January yeah not not much that they say <laughs> I think people are kind of afraid to be politically incorrect in some way oh, really? so it's not, unless they've been there it's not much that they say <laughs> about it yeah. or they just like afraid to be to feel like not that educated or i don't know i don't yeah. know just just usually oh ukraine that's quite far or like oh ukraine yeah <laughs> this yeah because it's sort of one of those countries which people know the name and sort of know they've heard it in the news maybe yeah. and sort of know it's near russia but we don't know anything much more than that i don't yeah. think yeah Unless they have themselves some Ukrainian heritage, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they, for some reason, been there. Yeah. I think both uh, my husband and his brother, his brother actually lived in Ukraine for uh, two and a half years. So, um, and my, my parents-in-law, they were all pleasantly surprised about what they they saw. Well, they <laughs> traveled to the most touristic places. But, um, yeah, they were, I think, what they expected and what they actually saw was... Uh, um, different in a good way yeah. so yeah ukrainians are not people who avoid conflicts at all so and uh, yeah very open with the with their opinion sometimes a bit uh, that's again a bit rude but people really should <laughs> their opinion about your looks about uh, your like uh, social uh, uh, I don't know employment <laughs> personal situation yeah. that can be quite intrusive but uh, yeah sometimes people just can't help themselves they will just <laughs> tell you yeah. what they think about it yeah that seems to be one of the biggest differences compared to Australia where yeah people are not maybe some of those people think we're direct but actually we're, we're, no, we're, no, we're not no, that no. We're not that direct. Yeah. We might be more direct than Japanese. Yes, <laughs> less direct than Eastern Europeans, certainly. Yeah. So, like, different degrees of Thank you for listening to another episode of 177 Nations of Tasmania. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Spotify, Facebook, and Twitter. Just look up 177 Nations of Tasmania. And thank you again for listening.